You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. The legend of the Bell Witch centres on the John Bell family of Red River, Tennessee, and the spiritual haunting they suffered between 1817 and 1821. Unlike many films and ghost stories, this early 1800s haunting involved real people and places. No one has yet to solve it, or even come close. Dr Nandor Fodor, a noted lawyer turned parapsychologist, called this legend America's greatest ghost story. The Bell Witch legend still endures to this day. There are numerous Bell Witch books, several Bell Witch movies and documentaries, and there are always several more in the works. Regardless of whether you believe that the Bell Witch story is a legend or real, it remains an epic, classic American haunting and a whodunit mystery like no other. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne, and we welcome you to this week's episode of The True Hauntings Podcast, where we giggle, wheeze, and we take you to Tennessee to follow in the trail of the Bell Witch. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Hey, Renata. Welcome back to the studio. That's going to throw everyone off because normally you say that and we've changed things around. I know. Oh, I just bit my tongue. People don't, <laughs> people don't like things changed, but there you go. Yeah, there you go. Especially for Capricorns. Capricorns don't seem to like change. My husband's a Capricorn and uh-huh. so is my son. Uh-huh. If you change the plan, it's not good. Uh, you mm. need to give them notice. Yeah, you do. Mm. You do. Mm. All right. What's been happening this week? Um... Not much. Not much. We've entered into a little competition, which we won't talk about until <laughs> until we've found out that we've won. Yep. yep. And we so, are visualising that we have won it. Mm-hmm. And if we do win it, we'll be going on a sudden trip. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. That's all. <laughs> and we were reading through the itinerary and we were wheezing and giggling and we should have recorded that because oh, it was hilarious. It's a hoot. It's Although going to be a hoot. may have offended several people if we actually got to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and in the meantime, uh, we're madly planning now and trying to catch up with everything that we missed out on because of the week or so of COVID that we had. It's amazing how a week can put you back. Yeah, and we we had one recording that was up our sleeve just in case we needed it, and mm-hmm. guess what? Mm-hmm. We needed it. We did. We so did. Uh, we're now jumping ahead to try and squeeze a few more in, try and do two a week for a little while, uh-huh. and... Um, See what we can get see through. How we go. But uh, we have got a little trip planned, haven't we? 
Yes. We've decided that, you know, we're, we're meant to be ghost hunters, so we should be going out to more haunted locations and uh, staying overnight there, but we can't always travel overseas. Uh, not even to our local um, Stockton by ferry because <laughs> she won't get on any sort of water vehicle. Um, so, yeah, we're actually going to go to uh, the Port Stephens area yes, and stay at a very historical place that is very well known to be haunted. Yes. And uh, we're going to be sleeping out in the uh, maid's quarters. Yes. It's going to be fun, it and will. Uh, we'll tell you all about it. And that will be in a couple of weeks. Mm, we might even do a podcast about it. Oh, mm. if we can find enough information on I it, yeah. I think there is. If not, yeah. it might have to be a midnight mystery one. Mm. When are we ever going to start that? We will. Oh, we sorry. Will. Did I interrupt I you know, sipping was, your cup I of coffee there? I was halfway through a, a, a cup, uh, a, a sip. Yeah, I had to get her a coffee before we started, because as you all know, um, hell can go to... Was it hell in a handbasket? Is that what yep. they call it? Yep. If she doesn't have a coffee there. That's right. But uh, I think we're ready to get on with this story. And can I just say your little introduction that you wrote there? Um, where it says... Uh, it's a tongue twister, wasn't it, Anne? Yeah, thanks for that. That will be welcome. in the outtakes for the poo bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we've worked out that uh, Nandor Fodor, Fodor is my Banff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But it says there that... Uh, nobody knows mm-hmm. how this came about. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I you do. do. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and uh, I've gone down the rabbit hole on this one, mm. and it's a big, big, dark one. Ooh. Ooh. So I'm going to regale you with just a little bit of history because this is one <clears throat> of the best known. Uh, stories, I think, coming out of the US, this yeah. whole Bell Witch thing. Mm. And they actually do tours uh, of the area and um, they tell... Oh, we'll tell... never be allowed in there after no. I do this. <laughs> oh, my dear. They'll be going out and tearing all those signs down and going, yep. oh, okay, well, it was a good idea. <laughs> hey, but I might have the proof of what it all is. Oh, no. I no. might be proving no, the you haunting. Can't, you can't be doing that. You, can't. you don't know what I'm going to do. No, you can't. I've got to put the hook out there and and hook you in to find out what happens at the end. Kate the witch never slept, was never idle or confined to any place, but was here and there and everywhere, like the mist of night or the morning sunbeams, was everything and nothing, invisible yet present, spreading all over the neighbourhood, prying into everybody's business and domestic affairs, caught onto every ludicrous thing that happened and all of the sordid, avaricious meanness that transpired, divining the inmost secrets of the human heart and withal was a great blabbermouth, getting neighbours by the ear, taunting people with their sins and shortcomings and laughing at their folly in trying to discover the identity of the mystery. Kate, however, held fast to Christianity and was a regular fire-eating Methodist while associating with old Sugarmouth and his son, Calvin Johnson, was a regular attendant at Mr. Johnson's prayer meetings, calling the amens, thumping on the chairs and uttering the exclamation, Lord Jesus! People now concluded that a good spirit had been sent to the community to work wonders and prepare the good at heart for the second advent. Kate's influence was something like that exercised over a whiskey-soaked town by Reverend Sam Jones at the present day, only more forceful. The sensation spreads hundreds of miles and people were wild with excitement and travelled long distances on horseback and in vehicles to witness the demonstrations and Mr Bell's home was continually overflowing with visitors and investigators. John Bell's hospitality, however, was equal to the great strain. He fed all visitors free of charge. Citizens of the community soon learned to respect Kate's presence and counsels as they feared and abominated the witch's scorpion tongue. Everybody got good. The wicked left off swearing, lying and whiskey drinking, just as people do now for Reverend Sam Jones. 
The avaricious were careful not to covet or lay hands on that that belonged to their neighbours, lest Kate might tell on them. No man allowed his right hand to do anything that the left hand might be ashamed of. No citizen thought of locking his smokehouse or crib door or of staying up through the night to guard his hen roost or watermelon patch. Negroes were too sleepy to leave their cabins after night and white people went out only in companies after dark to attend prayer meetings. The wickedest man in the country could break new ground all day with a fiery team and kicking colts, singing psalms and never think of cursing, though he might be laid out in a trance a dozen times by a punch from the frisky plough handles. No incident out of the regular routine of everyday transactions occurred that the witch did not know about the affair and would tell the circumstances to someone in less than an hour. Well, that soundscape today, would you believe, is from a book called The Authenticated History of the Bell Witch, subtitled The Wonder of the 19th Century and Unexplained Phenomena of the Christian Era. Um, and it was uh, in uh, written by Martin V. Ingram. Now, how was that for a humdinger of a soundscape? Wow. Wow. No man would... What did you say? No man would... <laughs> <laughs> Do with I his right hand what his left hand didn't be know. Shaved or off. I could not look at you while I read that out. <laughs> oh. I could not look at you because oh. I thought, yes, that is saying what I think it's saying. Yes, yes. And the um the thought he might be laid out in a trance a dozen times by a punch from the frisky plough handles. <laughs> yeah, don't know. Yeah, I don't think it just fits in well with the rest of the episode. Yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. All right, so we are talking about the Bell Witch, and of course all of this um, is based um, in Tennessee, and it revolves around the John Bell family, and John Bell was a farmer from North Carolina, and uh, as a young'un, he actually learnt the art of cooperage, making barrels, but, oh, my father-in-law did that. Ah, did he was um, a, a blacksmith as well. Yeah, uh, and they worked with iron and making the rings that go on the barrels. Yeah. I believe yeah. um, one of those things that people don't do anymore. It's it's becoming a lost art. It is. Unless you sort of work in the wine regions of France or somewhere, I don't know. Or Hunter Valley, which Hunter is just Valley. a narrow one. <laughs> I don't know how many people make barrels out we, there. We still have to get in our um, the Stiffs of Europe tour. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do that. I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> oh. Maybe, maybe. Oh. Oh, I've got a thought. Never mind. Let's ooh, go. No, ooh. no, no, no. Ooh, no I, like don't, a I don't want a squirrel. I know what it is. So, I've read your along, mind. <laughs> along, with yes. his, along with his family and children, he uh, moved. Uh, so he got married to, I think it was Lucy. Yep. And um, they had one child and they moved to Northern Robertson County in Tennessee in 1804. <gasps> We've been to Robertson here in New South Wales. Yeah, they've got a big potato. They've got the giant <laughs> potato. Oh, it's a sight to behold, peoples. A sight to behold. It is worth the trip from anywhere in the world to come and visit our giant potato. <laughs> I've still got the remnants of COVID, so I'm rattling something awful. I apologise. Oh, we were looking for how can you miss a giant potato? <laughs> Yeah, we have can. a talent. What can I say? We have a talent oh, to drive past the giant potato that was 20 foot high and, and, and 40 feet wide. Oh, we did. We missed it completely. We, we had to have enough, man. <laughs> and it said, what was it? It's 180 metres away. We're going, what? If you want to see that, have a look on YouTube. There is the story of uh, Anne and Renata go to Robertson and uh, we look for the giant potato. It's a nice little video. I edited that one. I was very proud of my efforts. Um, yeah, no, poor, I've broken Renata already. She's The glasses are off and she's now buried her face in her T-shirt, wiping away the tears. Oh, I'm just so happy that I'm well again. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Uh, yes. We're so a little bit uh, slow on our last one, I feel, but... Uh, 
Oh, he still did a good job. I, yes. I'm going to pat, it, pat so, ourselves on the back. So John Bell and his family went yep. to Robertson County, Tennessee in 1804. Uh, they had a farm. They He bought some land. They had a farm consisted of about 320 acres, um, and it was just along the Red River. And they lived quite peacefully, happily. Um, John was accepted into the local Baptist community there, and um, he became a deacon. And they had more children, as the Baptists do. We've got nothing. So you can't talk about the Baptists. What about the Catholics? Uh, yeah. We were raised Catholic, uh, so we can pick on them. Yeah. So, yes, um, they kind of lived a happy, healthy life for a while. There were some issues with John. Um, John liked to have money. Um, he, don't blame me, but I do too. <laughs> He didn't like to be in debt to anyone, oh, and so everyone nice. kind of knew about that. Mm-hmm. Like he, he would always pay for everything up front. I think that's um, a good quality. He, he, it was said that he, you know, um, lent a helping hand to his neighbours. Mm-hmm. So he was quite good with that. There seemed to be at one stage, though, a bit of an issue when it came to a parcel of land that was purchased by someone. But we'll get onto that story. So I don't know how much of the good John Bell there was and how much of the businessman John Bell there was. But mm-hmm. he was a deacon in the church. So he kind of he had to be a, a good godly man. Mm-hmm. Now, in the summer of 1817, something would happen that would change his family's lives forever. And some members of his family began seeing strange-looking animals around his property. Then late at night, they started to hear knocking sounds on the doors and outer walls of the house. Now, these sounds were heard inside the house as well as time progressed and there were things like rats gnawing on the bedpost and chains that were being dragged throughout the house and stones that were being dropped on the wooden floors. Oh, stones being yeah, dropped. that sounds poltergeisty, it doesn't does it? it? And the knocks and the bangs. Yeah. Oh, that's sort of throwing me back to the Fox Sisters. Mm. And then and sort this of... Is before the Fox Sisters. Yeah, gulping and choking sounds, which oh, kind oh, of like... Oh, that, yeah, someone... was that coming from the parents' bedroom? <laughs> the children reporting that <laughs> oh no I think I'm broken by the first <laughs> it's time to pull over stop driving everyone <laughs> it's time for a pause my apologies for that break <laughs> of the transmission there. That was uh, some sort of breakdown in the uh, the atmosphere, the ions. Of, uh, that wasn't us at all. <laughs> that took us a good 10 minutes to recover from that one. I still think the giggles are, are lurking. And just as we were giggling and cackling away, we suddenly realised we forgot to record the soundscape. So our dearest Bonnie will cut that in and put it in the appropriate place. Thank you, Bonnie. We're sorry. <laughs> So the family was actually quite terrified, uh, but they didn't say anything for over a year because they didn't think that it was appropriate for a Baptist minister to be talking about their sex lives. <laughs> no, 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 but... <laughs> Do we need to keep recording this on another day? Oh... <sighs> We've been apart for too long and I think they're finally allowed to be back <laughs> together in the same room. It's just all all going to pieces. <laughs> You've gone, gone, I've gotten through two paragraphs. <laughs> and your Stop glasses it. are fogged up twice. Uh, Even mine have fogged up this time. Oh, okay. Do, okay. We, do we want to start over? No, keep going. It's <laughs> fabulous. All right. This is the best stuff we've done all year. <laughs> Um, so they really didn't want to tell anyone in the Baptist community for fear of what other people would say, of course. So when things became quite intolerable, John confided in a neighbour, James Johnson, and he invited Mr. and Mrs. Johnson over to spend the night. So after... <laughs> oh, no. Um... <laughs> What was it we said about hell in the head basket? 
Oh, okay, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Maybe I need to open up the door and let some oxygen into this room. <laughs> onto the beam so we can use it as a swing. <laughs> oh. oh, no, this is about tape. We can't do this. We can't. Turn it off. Turn it off. I'll start. So it turns, start. it turns out that I've actually been burning the candles in here a bit much and I think I've used <laughs> up all the oxygen, which has affected our brain, so I've blown the candles out. So hopefully we can push on now. Okay. Okay. So when things became intolerable, John confided in a neighbour, James Johnson, <laughs> and he invited Mr and Mrs Johnson to spend <laughs> Stop it. Going. <laughs> After several nights of witnessing strange <laughs> oh. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. She wants me to cut this out, but you know, I know oh, you no. guys no. live for these moments. <laughs> So I'm I'm going to keep recording. So we've invited the neighbours over for several nights to yes. stay with them. Yes. yes, they've heard the same noises. They've heard yes. the chains. It's all, yes. all coming together. And Mr. <laughs> <laughs> and that Mr. was very Jim- bad terminology. I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> I think she just got what I said. <laughs> having the time of our lives. <laughs> ah, Mr. Johnson suggested that more people should be told. <laughs> no. What? No, we can't do this. Yes, we can. <laughs> Keep going. We're through that part now. We're on to the next part. Oh. This is the best episode ever. <laughs> so they formed a committee. <laughs> to watch what was going on in the house. Yes. Because everybody wanted to experience what they were experiencing, yeah? Yes. yes. So Uh, lots of people came together. Yes. (laughs) Have we got through that part now? Uh, (laughs) Do you know one of the phenomena they saw, um, that one of the daughters saw a girl sitting on a swing in a um, green dress? It's probably not going to (laughs) help. So it was not long before people were coming from miles around. <laughs> Stop Did it, keep going. Here and witness. <laughs> we're dirty old ladies, what can I say? This <laughs> unseen force that was terrorising the bell home. Oh. So before long, uh, this force had gained enough strength that it now had a voice which is very very interesting because if you think about it how many ghost stories have you heard where an entity of some sort um, starts to grow in its strength and gets a voice so when asked who and what it was it gave different identities every time Um, so it was trying to be very very perplexing and it once stated that it was a witch, um, and it was the witch of a neighbourhood woman named Kate Batts. And, of course, everyone loves a good witch story, so Absolutely. I suppose that's the one that stuck. Yes, so this was uh, what many people believed, and from then on, this unseen force was called Kate. Per-Kate. Kate. <laughs> that's weird, the Kate. Kate, um, and the Bell's Witch. Yep. Right, so it seemed that Kate had two main reasons for visiting the Bell home. (laughs) We're wiping tears (laughs) from our face. (laughs) The main one was to kill John Bell. Oh. Now, for what reason, no one knows, because Kate never gave the reason why. But if you read some of the stories that are associated with this... Yes, I'm hoping you've got all the ones I've got. um, ...then you will kind of know why... Now, some people kind of contend to say that Kate had a few peculiarities um, and that she may not have been completely well and that she had this thing for brass pins. 
Are we talking a real person yes, in history? Yes, right. Yes, okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah, she had this. Th- she was a neighbour. Right. Uh, and she bought some land from John Bell. Mm-hmm. Now, I even read in one of the articles that I was reading that Kate actually was um, a family member. Oh. Through marriage. A crazy auntie. Yeah, she was, yeah, yeah. So she had a thing for um, brass um, pins. Mm -hmm. And um, if you think about some of the stories, earlier ghost stories, there are a lot of associations with witches collecting pins. Oh, yes. Yes. So mm -hmm, the penny's sort of dropping and Mm. all of these things are um, are falling into place. But also Kate thought that she was being ripped off by John Bell. Yes. That was one of the things that I had read is that she was taking revenge because he cheated her in a trade. Yes. Yes. Yep. Now, there, there was another one as well, did yes. you? Yes. Yep. Oh, sorry, I'll let you keep talking. I don't want to steal your story. Now, the, the ghost or the this apparition, this, this power, um, it says never gave a reason why, but um, as you said, there are many reasons. The second reason was to stop John's youngest daughter, Betsy, from marrying a certain neighbour boy named Joshua Gardner. Oh, well, I've got another story. Oh, oh, have you? Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, there, apparently, there's the stories that there's quite a few stories associated with um, why she wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one variation that circulated Mississippi was that the witch was not a woman named Kate, but instead the spirit of a male slave whom John Bell had killed for having been Betsy's illicit lover. Ah. See, they bought some slaves with them working um, on the land. Yeah. So a lot of the families there had slaves. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd just I highlighted that one in case you didn't have that one. <clears throat> we are talking about the 1800s, guys. So sorry, yeah. we, we're not meaning to offend at all. No, um, we're just and talking I think, about history. Yeah, I think it's a terrible thing, but you know what? What can you do? It was the way it was. <clears throat> so over the next three years, Kate tormented members of the Bell family almost <clears throat> daily, and John and his daughter Betsy were the ones who received the worst of all of the physical abuse. So Betsy had her hair pulled. Uh, she was pinched, she was scratched, she was stuck with pins and even beaten. Now, she's the one that had the pins in her, in her feet, wasn't she? There was, um, there's been a couple of different cases of pins being in the feet. One was the jabotical, um, the poltergeist. Yeah. And there was another one which was in England that we found the pins. Yeah. Yeah, so. How it's... old was um, Elizabeth Betsy? I'm not quite sure. She was 12. She was 12. Yeah. Well, it's it's hard for a 12-year-old to even think about doing that to herself. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, so she was stuck with pins and even beaten, uh, while John Bell began suffering from spells of swelling of the throat and often had the feeling um, of a stick being stuck sideways in his throat as well, so something being stuck in his throat. That sounds like food allergies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Does, anyway, actually. keep going. Yeah. Uh, then came twitching and jerking of facial muscles. Uh, Kate would blast him with curses and uh, now, this hideous... this is the, the yeah, entity, yeah, Kate. this is the entity. Um, and hideous threats during all of these spells. So he would feel as though she was standing over him and cursing him um, and threatening him. And as time went on, John just became weaker and weaker. Mm-hmm. So can anyone kind of see any connections to any sort of medical conditions that might be associated with what John is suffering from? Mm. We'll just leave that Difficulty there. Difficulty swallowing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll leave that there. So Kate was becoming well known and drew large crowds of people. So this must have been something that was going on um, and was being able to be heard by many people at the time so it kind of wasn't a hallucination from what I gather from Mm -hmm. these stories yeah she seemed to be very intelligent in many things so she knew about the bible she knew about people's pasts and about their future Mm -hmm. which is interesting and she could be in two places at the same time even if those places were miles apart Yes, I read somewhere that there was a sermon that was given 
in two different locations at the same time and it was word for word and Kate, the poltergeist or the ghost or witch or whatever you want to call her, recited these uh, sermons. Mm -hmm. And then it was um, shown that it was the same sermon Mm. in both locations. It's pretty astounding. That they can record that back in the early 1800s? Yeah. Yeah. How do you even report on that? Mm. How did they know, did Mm. Kate the Witch say, I've just said that from this sermon and that sermon Mm. and then checked it out? Yeah, I I don't know. Mm. It's it's all very vocal. It doesn't fit into a normal categorised haunting, Mm. as we would think. Mm. There are too many things that are happening that, you know, make it very, very real. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so there are many books written about the famous Bell Witch of Tennessee. Um, there is a legend of the Bell Witch, which is part of Tennessee history and is still allegedly, allegedly taught in schools today. I don't know about that. Maybe someone can let us know from that area if, if that is that is the case. That's very interesting for when I come to my part. Mm. All right, keep going. Now, there's a bit um, that I found in in a newspaper article, Mm -hmm. and this is what it says. Um, Kate Bates, or Bats, sorry, was a neighbour of the Bell family. She and John Bell had had a violent quarrel shortly after the Bell family arrived in Robertson County. She was also a woman well known for her eccentricities. Many people believed her to be a witch. She had a habit, for instance, of begging pins from um, any woman she met. This goes back to um, the Pendle Hill Witches story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, According to the superstition of the day, borrowing a pin from someone gave the borrower witch-like control over the lender. Uh, not everyone believed in witches, but everyone in the neighbourhood made a practice <coughs> of hiding their pins whenever Kate Bats came to call. She was just a kleptomaniac. Yeah, whether or not the spirit had any connection to Kate Bats, the name stuck. Yeah. Or was it a power play on her behalf? To make people scared of her. It could have been. Mm. It could have been. Now, this really is a rabbit hole thing because every time you kind of go into history about this, another piece of the puzzle seems to be unearthed. Uh, And there was also apparently some friction between uh, bats and the bells involving Benjamin bats. I'm going to get the giggles again over these names. Sorry. Now, John Bell and Benjamin Batts became involved in a dispute over a slave issue that ultimately resulted in Bell being excommunicated from Red River Baptist Church in 1818. Oh, this is the deacon. Yes. So John Bell Sr., Yes, so yep. on the um, so based on the events with Reverend Gunn, um, so Reverend Gunn got into all of this, um, and he was a preacher in the area, and they asked him for some advice, and um, he kind of also tended to blame this woman. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay. Kate Bats. She was the scapegoat. Yeah, because, because like... He, I guess he didn't want to throw shade on Bell as being someone who was um, who had fallen into disrepute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was, you know, issues there, but they seemed to to brand this poor woman. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, a whole um, community started. Oh yes. Yeah? And so he he describes um, bats in this way. Her eyes flashed fire and her tongue was let loose at both ends, rolling off epitaphs, epitaphs, yes, that one, like streaks of lightning. She kept every path of the neighbourhood hot for a month trying to find the corrigendum who dared to splavicate her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading this. Um... Corrigin, Corrigendum, who dared to splavicate her character this word. with the spurifications of John Bell's witch. She would show him the perspicuity <laughs> in the constipation of Somebody's the Somebody's had their thesaurus out. <laughs> they Roger's thesaurus and found some good alternate words. Yes, perspicuity in the constipation of the law. <laughs> Does that mean it was shit and it was stuck? Yes. (laughs) Right, there you go. Thanks. Uh, Now, apparently, um, Katie Bates outlived both John and Lucy Bell, but in other information, it actually says that she died beforehand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we've got to work out which one is going to be uh, make the better story there. (laughs) Um, Now... It kind of says that um, in another piece of information that Bell, what John Bell seemed to be um, suffering from was some sort of a, a neurological disorder. Um, although uh, everyone decided to blame Kate for this. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was poisoned, yeah. I think. Yes, yes. So very little obviously was known about such disorders in those days. And of course, there were a few treatments available um, that would even kind of work. Um, an interesting Note that Sir Charles Bell, a 19th century anatomy professor, discovered a neurological disorder that yielded symptoms that were very similar to those of John Bell. Um, and he known uh, named it Bell's palsy. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yep. Now, that has kind of been thrown out um, as the legend has progressed over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people say that John Bell did not suffer from Bell's palsy at all. Mm, I wonder if it was Parkinson's. Mm. Mm. Um, now, the only the only thing was that um, that I will end on is that there was an assumption made that all of this was really focused on John Bell, and the hope was that when John Bell died, um, he all of this would die with him. But allegedly not. Allegedly she came back to cause havoc with other members of family. Because when she cursed him, she said that she would curse not only him, but the family after him. The fruit of his loins. Yep, yep. and and so this this went on for a while, and then it all disappeared for many many years, and then it started up again, and I'm not actually quite sure when um, this kind of has now been birthed into this whole um, business of the John Bell witch story, mm-hmm. uh, and how it's progressing. You'd think that. I guess the community would want all of this to just die yeah. and be left alone. Um, but no, 
Because you'd think, you know, if you're going to be scraping a wound, it's going to start to fester again. You would want this witch to just die, die and never come back. Yeah. But obviously they're, they're reawakening all of this and, and, and feeding it, yep. which would then kind of mean that... It becomes a thought form. Yeah. You're creating this thing to, to live. Yep. It lives like Frankenstein, you know. So, yeah. Oh, guess what? All right. Tell me, tell me what you found out. I'm about to kill it. Okay. <laughs> Are you all ready to go down the rabbit hole? Oh, yes, I am. Righty-o. My turn. Mm-hmm. Now, I was researching this and I was looking at all the phenomena that was reported and I was very seriously writing it all down. I actually have like pages and pages of notes. Look at all of this, Renata. I've got pages of it, Mm. um, of the things that were going on in the household and all the characters that were involved in it. um, And... Yeah, the, the gnawing sounds on the beds, and the, we best not go into all no, of that no, again because no. <laughs> we'll end up back where we were. Um, but I think you gave enough of the story to get an idea. And if you remember back to the soundscape, it was um, talking about how the Kate Bell, the witch, now this was the ghost yeah. or the entity, was um, gossiping. Mm. It's a bit like Bridgerton. Mm. She knew everything that was going on. And the, what was the character that used to tell it, write the newsletter? Auntie M? No. no um, not Auntie M. <laughs> Lady something. Oh, another. that Lady Thistleworth Thistledown. Or Thistledown. Lady Thistledown. Thistledown. Yeah. She, this, this ghost was the Lady Thistledown of Tennessee. I, I also heard you say in that soundscape that she was a Methodist. Yes. See, this is yeah, where I Methodists think... The Methodists and the Baptists. Yeah, I think there is... A little bit of confusion going on here, but I'm hoping that my part of this is going to help. So let's go back to the primary source of all of this information. And it's actually from that book that I took the soundscape from, uh, which I just, I've lost it. But it was written by this newspaper reporter Mm -hmm. and uh, it's quite a substantial work. And apparently he got the information from what was basically a diary and some recollections from the family about what happened. And it was called Our Family Trouble, uh, which was supposed to have been compiled by Richard Williams Bell uh, in 1846. Family member? Yeah, family member. So this all, um, remember, this all originally took back in the early 1800s. So this this is where the information has come from, um, plagued by uh, poltergeist phenomena, um, and that's where the newspaperman Ingram came in. So just to give you a reprise there, we had the mystery knocks on the door, rapping sounds, uh, children were having hair pulled, bed covers thrown off, uh, and the quote here is, some new performance was added nearly every night, and it, it, trou- it troubled Elizabeth more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, though, apparently the entity seemed to like the mother mm-hmm. and was quite respectful and kind and would give her gifts. Uh, sometimes it showed a little bit of respect to John, but then other times it wouldn't. Now, at one stage, they actually took Elizabeth out of the house. They sent her to a neighbor's house. This is Betsy. And uh, it made no difference. The trouble followed her with the same severity, uh, rapping sounds. Um, but also at some stage or other, this this voice, as you said, started to emerge from the ether in yep. the house. Yep. And it was very weak at first, but then it started to gain strength. Mm-hmm. Now... Some people said that they thought that it was Betsy and were accusing her of ventriloquism. Mm -hmm. A lot of this really reminds me of the Fox Sisters. Mm -hmm. A lot of it. But this is way before the Fox Sisters. Maybe I'll refer to that shortly. So... There was a few stories in there that I'm going to just need to tell you a little bit about. 
Now, I have to say that this, uh, a lot of my information is coming from a story called The Bell Witch Poltergeist by Joe Nickel. Um, and there was another one, which was The Bell Witch Mystery uh, that I got from Benjamin Radford. But it was very insightful. So there is a story about uh, the witch telling some of the men that came in that there was skull and bones to have been found taken from an old grave nearby and the witch avowed herself the spirit um sorry avowed herself the spirit of an early immigrant who had hidden his treasure for safekeeping so she she tells these people about this immigrant mm-hmm. who has a treasure hidden nearby now she the, she made them all pledge and they all agreed to keep it secret and it was very urgent uh, lest the secret should get out and other people found out about it. She specified where this treasure was. It was a great stone near a spring at the southwest corner of the farm. Sure enough, they had a group of men turn up and they set out to the work site. They eventually lifted this stone, they got it out. They didn't find a treasure. However, they kept digging to make sure. So they end up with a six feet square and nearly six feet deep as well, trying to source this Mm -hmm. treasure. Mm Because, of course, they're going to go looking for the treasure, aren't they? Still, they found nothing. But they did come back to the witch and say, we found nothing. And she mocked them for being so gullible Mm -hmm. and easily fooled. Mm -hmm. So this is the story of the witch. Mm-hmm. Then we have the attacks on old John Bell Senior himself. There was a curious incident with socks. Oh no, so shoes. <laughs> so I've got to get this right. First, one shoe was ripped off. Then when they put it back on, the other one flew off. Mm-hmm. Mm, how's that for a ghost story? Oh, that's it. That was it. Oh. But this is all going to become very important. Mm-hmm. Because this is where we enter the rabbit hole. Right. Okay. This is a brilliant article. If you get the chance to read it, please do read it. Heard of Freemasonry? Yes. So uh, Arthur Edward White, uh, Waite sorry, defined masonry as a system of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. So it was sort of like fables and stories that would have meaning and things to it. Um, it also goes on to say masonry focuses on the mystery of death. The mason is taught how to die, utilising symbols such as skulls and things on the grave, which we have seen on Norfolk Island. Yeah. Yeah. I can see your eyes are going, where the hell is this going? So there is a lot of um, symbolism within masonry in regards to graves, buried treasures and lost secrets. And secrets that in the end remain lost, never found. Hmm. Sounding familiar? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the... Um, they talk about the the stonemason's trade um, and stone in its original form symbolises man's natural state of ignorance. Masonic rituals focus on death of Hiram, master mason and the architect of Solomon's temple, whose allegorical grave measures... Six by six by six. The cube in masonry being a symbol of truth. Uh, In Mason's masonry, Hiram's name is Hiram. Hiram, I'm sorry if I'm saying that right. Ibaf, um, Abif, sorry, whose legend includes his murder. Oh, hang on. We've got a murder in this story, Uh, which is representing the dogma of the immortality of the soul. Now, keep going on with the Bell Witch. So we've got a couple of similarities there. The location of the treasure being in the southwest corner of the farm Mm -hmm. represents the southwest corner of the Masonic Lodge. It's one of four stations that the hoodwinked, they call them, or the blindfold initiate, is ritualistic conducted to... Um, it's basically where they go through one of their rituals mm-hmm. uh, and it's opposite to the starting point. It's the end point. Near the end of our family troubles, the most per- 
peculiar incident in which old John Bell has first one of his shoes pulled off by the witch is very similar to the rite of discalciation. I hope I've got that right in um, in the Masonic lodges and it's uh, that just means the removal of footwear and uh, it means to pluck off one shoe one does this when approaching a consecrated place the pledges the men make and their agreement to maintain secrecy evoke the masonic society's penchant for secrecy Got to keep secrets. We can't tell anyone else where the treasure is, can we? I, I still don't get where this is going. Oh, hang on to your knickers, love. We're getting Nick. <laughs> um, and they also refer to like the mysterious handshaking. Uh, and there is one point in this. Now, this is all to do with this story yeah. that was presented by this reporter, yeah. which is what the whole Bell Witch saga is based on which was supposedly from the diary yeah. and the recollections of the family. Yeah? Right. Right. So all of these stories are in the story of the, the Bell Witch, mm-hmm. which he is presenting as undeniable proof. At one stage, um, Bell speaks of receiving a sudden jerk, which raised me, which really is not going to help with our state of mind. But it was to do with suddenly being jerked backwards, which is what happens to one of the candidates during one of the Masonic rituals. Rituals, yeah. Uh, they refer to um, Bell refers to signs. Now remember, symbolism and mm-hmm, signs mm-hmm. are very important. Mm-hmm. With knocks on the door. Mm-hmm which is all part of the secret knock system for the Masons. Oh, no. Um, and also the secret symbols, rituals, etc. Mm-hmm. There is so many parallels between the stories that have been presented mm-hmm. for this Bell Witch story yep. to the stories and secrecies within the Masonic Whatever you want to call yep. them, yeah. Um, is it too much to be a coincidence? All right. Ingram was a long-standing Freemason who was buried in 1909 under the Masonic auspices, uh, and the evidence indicates Ingram actually wrote the diary that is supposed to be the Bell family recollection. Right. So it wasn't even John Bell's diary. No. No, and not only that, but they then go into the um, problems of this diary that's been presented yep. as being the facts. Uh, they they talk about being a diary, um, supplemented from memory, but this was all done 60 years after the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now... It's, it also starts to come together around the time of the Fox sisters mm-hmm. with their stories of their knockings and their rappings as well. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things they refer to is the detectives. Now, I think I actually mentioned that in the sans- the soundscape, talking about the detectives coming in to work out. And that, that was supposed to be from the stories of the 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 diaries the word detective in that um instance actually didn't come into being until 1840 mm-hmm. but they're saying that this was from his diary all right mm-hmm. in the early 1800s so mm-hmm. there's our first red herring mm-hmm. uh they find that there is a lot of the same uses of the words. Um, Bell would call things, for example, high carnivals, whereas then um, you would find that Ingram would use the same words Mm -hmm. in an article. Uh, The greatest of all secrets uh, would be Bell, and then Ingram would say the greatest mystery. Uh, There's a lot of word usage that, is very similar in something that was supposed to be written by a farmer. Yeah. 
in the early 1800s. Yeah. They did a, um, a search into the language of uh, the Bell Diaries compared to what Ingram had written. Uh, they said that it was uh, the reading levels were at 14.3 for Bell and 14.4 for Ingram, which would indicate that it was somebody of soft, sophomore level of college and not likely to be written by a rural farmer. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling about the story? Mm. Uh, all right, let's get to the next bit. Now, one of the other things that they refer to uh, in the story is that uh, Andrew Jackson, mm-hmm, who became mm-hmm, president, mm-hmm. Uh, visited this case to witness it himself. Yep. There is no documentation of him ever being at this location. There is nothing in his memoirs. There's nothing in the diaries. There is nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, you'd think that someone as prominent would have turned up. Oh, he was a Freemason too. Yes. Fancy that. Yes. <laughs> I did I did gather that through my readings. Now yeah. they do mention that one of the other sources given by Ingram was uh, the Saturday Evening Post, which published a lengthy account of the case around about 1849. So they got somebody uh, called the uh, Tim Binger, who was the CFI Director of Libraries. He's a big wig, who searched for any article from any newspaper from 1849, couldn't find anything. So they searched from 1840 to 1860, couldn't find anything. They do admit that there were some issues that were missing. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was one of those ones. Hmm. Mm. And they, oh, the, this is the good old skeptics. They refer to it as folklore versus fake law. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, the fake law folklore, what they've done, what this man has done, he has gone into history and found real names of real people that did live in this time. Now, this is actually something authors do. It's what happened with the Amityville horror stories. Yeah. It's what happened with uh, the possession of Ronald Doe, that Roland Doe. They take real people that may have had trauma or instances of some things happening, and then they've spilt, uh, uh, spun yarns around it. So this is a, uh, a story that uh, was in the history of Tennessee of 1886. All right, I got a little bit discombobulated there. I had to stop and regather my thoughts. Sorry about that. Now, this person that wrote this article also goes into a lot of detail to say that, um, you know, this is a real book. This is a true story. This this is undeniably an, uh, uh, an account of what happened. So they have these citizens whose statements authenticate the history of the Bell Witch. Sadly, a lot of those people weren't around to actually question. Uh, Some of the people who signed the document were only stating that several men mentioned by Ingram were early settlers and were trustworthy people. That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. They weren't saying that the Bell Witch story was true Mm -hmm. and the people who gave the witness statements are nowhere to be found because mm-hmm. they've passed on. Mm-hmm. So his, his documents worthless. are worthless. They get then go on to say that they'll have a lot of people who are saying that they'd heard stories from the people who had died about the story of the Bell Witch. Um but there is a, something about a transcript being sent out of our family trouble, which would then be something familiar to people. It's names they would have heard. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of putting all these loose ends together and going, oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. I remember my father or my grandfather talking about something like that. But they didn't actually experience it firsthand themselves because it was 60 years beforehand. So what we have at best is secondhand accounts. Mm-hmm of what was happening Mm -hmm. and uh, a man who was a Freemason who Mm -hmm. has put an article together to um, publish 
and say that, oh, yes, it's all truth, but is actually telling fables and stories of Freemasonry. In a secret code. In secret codes. Yeah, in secret codes. So I think this whole story was created for a reason we may never know because Freemasonry is so secret. Yeah. But it is telling of, you know, man's folly, secret treasures, yeah. getting them to uh, do things and then be mocked for it. Um, it's it's There is so many boxes there that relate to Freemasonry that I I don't know if this is a true story at all. I think he's been um, very clever, like they did with those other stories that we've talked about, mm-hmm. where they've taken a little bit of fact mm-hmm. and maybe some friction between families mm-hmm. and used that as a basis to create this whole story, which is a legend or a fable for the Freemasons. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like it. Doesn't it, it? It does. And when they're saying it, but, oh, there was, <laughs> there was some little bits and pieces here that was a little bit of an ouch. Um, so they were talking about some very well-known vet, veteran ghost researchers, Brad Steiger, who's very careful to keep his books uncontaminated by scepticism or um, unverified facts, devotes eight pages in his book, Real Ghosts, Restless Spirits and Haunted Places, retelling one of the versions of the Bell Witch story. Mm-hmm. You also have Nandor Fordor, yeah, who believed all of this as well. Yeah. And he was a well-known well, parapsychologist who you would think would have spent more time to look into this story a little bit deeper. Yeah. And how often does this actually happen in the paranormal community that people just hear the story that something is haunted yeah. and they take it as fact and that's it. Yeah. They, they don't actually dig down into it. I wanted to finish off with this. So why is this obviously fictional story widely regarded as a true or at least based on real events? Largely because the public has often been explicitly told that the story is true by the original source, by uninformed writers and by people who know or should know that it's a legend but market their version as a true story anyway. Mm. Yeah. This is an early um, Amityville horror, horror with the Warrens. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm really sorry, Renata. Is this a true haunting? No. 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 And that kind of, yeah, look, when you read through it all. I could see your eyes were bulging. and I've left out a lot because we've yeah. run out of time. Yeah. There was so much stuff that this guy has researched mm-hmm. to prove that Ingram wrote all of that. Yeah. And it's, if you read all of it, and look, as I said, go find that article. It is fabulous. The Bell Witch Poltergeist by Joe Nickel. Um, it was in the Skeptical Inquirer. Um, it's, it really makes you stop and think. And I do love a true skeptic. Don't like cynics. I do like people who question things yeah. and uh, then reveal possible truths. Yeah. Did something happen? Yeah, it may have, but it's now buried in so much stuff. You just don't know what the truth is anymore. And the thing is that there's this whole area there that is all dedicated to the Bell Witch story. Yeah. You've got plaques, you've got houses, you've got Give a shops. cave. You've got a cave yep. where apparently she sort of I didn't spent even get her to life. There. Didn't get there. Uh, all of this sort but of stuff. But that's the same that's as Mother Shipton. On. Yeah. And um, it's, it's hard for people to go, well... Why would they do this? I mean, there's all of this stuff here. And he's reported this story at the same time as spiritualism was starting to bloom, but put his Freemasonry stories into it as well. Mm. Mm. So is it it also a, a way of telling the learned people, the woke people, mm. who would understand the story of um, how the whole witch thing would be again looked at as is as part of this demonic story of, you know, 
stuff being no good. Oh, you know, who you can't, knows? You can't, you can't be going there because, you know, all of this is just going to yeah. lead to trouble. I just wish I'd had a little bit more time to really wrap my head around a lot of all of this because we did have to turn this story around pretty quick. But, wow, it, that was a, a dark rabbit hole when mm. <laughs> we went down there. Yeah. But that brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you've enjoyed it, let us know. Get onto our Facebook, onto our Instagram, onto YouTube. Let us know what you think of it. And uh, there will be some outtakes for our Patreon supporters, the Grand Pooh Bars. You will get to hear <laughs> some of the outtakes for that. And uh, we will leave some of those giggles in for you guys as well. But uh, share it around. We would love to grow our family and our audience. And thanks for listening, guys. Remember, we'll see you on the dark side. And stay spooky. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.